0: Shalom to the online Nechamu family. This is Rabbi Damian. The next several weeks' teachings will be speaking to some significant changes coming to Nechamu Even if you're not in the seats, to me, you're part of the family. And it's important then for me to share with you what is coming, why, and hopefully to have you be as excited as we are. Because Hashem is doing a great thing and we, no matter where we reside, are blessed to be a part of it all. With His help, big things are ahead. You're invited. We'd love to have your support and enjoy the teaching. It's sometimes known as preaching to the choir when you prepare words to share with somebody who probably already knows them all. But let's recognize that we're on a mission that's outside of our walls, and so sometimes we can use a refresher, and that is this day is called the nuns and the nuns because we 've heard so much talk lately about the the nuns i 've referred to the nuns in multiple sermons, the nuns, the none of the aboves, those people who have exited from religious communities, and now, when surveyed they check none of the above on the box for religious affiliation. I have other names for them that are cute and, you know, the disinterested, the disses, the disconnected, the discouraged, the disenchanted, the disenfranchised. They're the nuns. And we've talked a lot about them. And part of our mission with lowering barriers to entry, expanding the mission, opening the doors, all that, is to the nuns, for them to be a part of real dialogue, challenging dialogue, to be able to come and ask real questions, to have very real arguments. And I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. That's part of how you flesh out your faith, is to ask questions and do these things but to really like wrestle through some of the stuff that has made them walk away from other forms of religious community but there's a challenge that arises from this situation because they will be very different than us and I use that word it's kind of a it's kind of a closed off word to say different than us but I just mean the existing community here and what we've had for the last number of, thank God, peaceful years. And everybody just kind of gets along and we don't have a lot of arguments and theological problems and stuff. And if we do, we talk about it and we walk away from each other knowing that we learned something from each other. So this poses a very different dynamic. And yes, they will be different than that. But first of all, let's be clear. Primary target here for what we're talking about is not the the renegades. We're not trying to go out and get people who are extremely difficult who want to just come over and turn apple carts turn apple carts over. Although Yeshua turned over a table and that worked out okay, sort of in the end it didn't right away. But anyway, we're not looking for people who just want to cause trouble. We are looking not, in other words not for people who want to just challenge the system, but maybe for people who have been challenged by the system. That's who we're looking for. That's who we want to reach out to and talk talk to and with and to help them learn the Bible like never before, to connect to, to Hashem, to God, to Messiah in deep and meaningful ways and to grow their walk their spiritual life learn connect grow all those things and many of those people will come from churches but they're just not happy in those churches and my really deep and sincere significant request of God is that we will also draw from them as I've said before people of Jewish background who are lost in churches and have no connection whatsoever to their Judaism. And this is an appeal to them. But, but there is still a connection there between the nuns and those particular people because they too will be different than us, if I can use that word loosely. Be different. And guess what? That's the job. That's the job we're signing up for. If you think back to last week and talking about the first century, I mean, think about your journey into Messianic thought, Messianic Judaism. We all kind of put up these fights against our theological dogma that we bring in, right? My big one, I had a very serious theological problem with pepperoni and crawfish you see i grew up in a jewish home i had never tasted anything traif until i arrived in louisiana and all hell broke loose because i didn't have much of a relationship with god left and i just said well you know here we go but amazingly through a cross in the Catholic Student Center in Louisiana. You know the story. I I came to faith in Yeshua as a disciple. And I came back and was still in church, and I was enjoying my pepperoni and crawfish. And the next thing I know, my dad says, hey, come to the Messianic synagogue. And I go there, and wouldn't you know it? They tell me I cannot eat pepperoni and crawfish. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. Jesus said And I'll never forget sitting on the couch across from Greg Hirschberg, who was the rabbi at that time. And man, I let him know what Jesus said about all foods are clean. Don't give me that. I told him exactly what Peter's dream meant, (laughs) that pepperoni and crawfish were good. And I remember him just kind of sitting there with a smile. I don't eat pepperoni and crawfish today, doggone it. I'm hoping in the world to come, though. That's what I want the Gun Aiden meal to be. I want Yeshua to be around a big boiling pot of crawfish that he's going to serve with special... No, I'm kidding. That was a little bit of a tangent, sorry. But the point is, we all have... Things that we brought into this, and you are preparing right now to encounter a number of people who are going to bring things in that are different. And someone asked a very real smart question within these walls when we were talking about this whole mission and kind of branching out and opening the doors and all these things. And they said, If we're reaching out, it is going to compromise who we are, in essence we have to become like them in order to be and i these us and them words are a little i i i don't want to sound like that but i hope you're understanding my point that it's not really us and them but how are we going to do that without compromising because last week i said this isn't a compromise how are we going to do that Because if you, they are either going to become like this or we're going to become like that and anything in between could get really, really convoluted because in the process of becoming relatable, we lose our way, we back up, we become something different and give in. It's a legit concern, but you think back also to last week, what I taught you about the first century. They did not change how things were done in the synagogue. They stayed true to their way, their practice, their way of life, right? And apart from last week being a little over the top, animated, the, the, the takeaway point was that that's important for us as we build on the pillars of the messianic community james peter paul the apostles the disciples they held fast to the foundations of their faith their world their feelings toward understanding of interaction with god they were not thrown out to do a thing although they were doing a new thing. And yes, we're doing a new thing, but with thought and consideration for the old. Because here's the deal. When dealing with the nuns, there has to be nuns. There have to be non-negotiables that stand strong and undergird the congregation that is here, that we built pillars of our community, teaching our messianic community, soon to be shalom-making. And some things must change. They must, the barriers to entry must change, how we treat people when they, when they come here, love, patience, gentleness, kindness, and things cannot change. They must be taught, introduced, reinforced, affirmed within these walls and our teachings and our lives. So today, this is a little bit of the preaching to the choir part, but it's important. These are the non-negotiables. These are the, the nons, and there aren't a lot of them, and there are a lot of levels, sub-levels of consideration for how you feel about these things and observe them, but these are the things that keep us grounded and moving forward as guides to those who are searching. First of all, this is a Messianic Jewish community. What does that mean? I'll tell you. We are absolutely and totally opposed to all forms of replacement theology in I will clarify that. We are especially in tune and on guard against anti-Judaism and worse yet, its evil, evil, evil counterpart, anti-Semitism. And there is a role and a place for Israel and the Jewish people. Now, there's a lot of things you don't hear there. We're not About making people Jews, making them become Orthodox, observant Jews. We're not about bashing the church into submission. We're not, and many, many more. Because there's a lot of things that have been done in an effort to build something like Shalom Macon that have failed miserably. Because people didn't know or didn't stand on the right things. And I want to say this also. What I'm saying today is not an invitation strategy. In other words, when someone says to you, Scott, where do you go to church? Well, actually, I don't go to church. I go to a beautiful congregation called Shalom Mechan, where we battle against replacement theology, anti Semitism, and we exalt the Jewish people. That's not going to work. You may as well say, Nahamu Ami. You may as well just say something because that's like, woo hoo hoo. I'll talk about an invitation strategy because it's important. I will do that later, not today. We are a Messianic Jewish community. That actually says it all. Messianic means Yeshua. Jewish community means Torah and Jewish expression. Those are central components of this room Yeshua, Torah, Jewish expression. We are a Messianic Jewish community, okay? Now, what, how, what does that mean? Because that's relatively broad as well. Yeshua, Jesus was a Jew. Teaching from a Jewish understanding from the Scriptures, from the Jews who had come before him, and he brought some very beautiful uh, uh, illumination to Torah as he filled it full but we know that he had a connection to his Jewish past his present and very certainly Jewish future and so we teach unapologetically Yeshua from a Jewish perspective and that is hard 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 for some people to hear I will never forget sitting where Roger and Debbie were When I was giving the Messiah Before the Foundation series, there was a couple visiting. And that series has some challenges to it, right, Travis? It talks about Messiah uh, in in a very Jewish context. And at one point I was talking about Yeshua's identity, his submission to the Father, his authority versus the Father, and all these really difficult things. And someone just out, the visitor out said, that was very angry about what I was saying. And again, to quote the Warner Brothers Roadrunner, that's what it looked like after services when he and his wife stood up and their legs and they shot out the smoke trail behind them. It's hard when you challenge someone's picture of Jesus. It is. I think a lot of you probably wrestled through some of those things. I didn't really have to, so... I've only learned it trial by fire in dealing in these situations about how difficult that can be for people. But we, we are never going to back up on that because that's where the depth is. That's where the relationship is. That's where the understanding is. And Torah, phew, seems easy. Yeshua said, I didn't come to abolish it. No, not to abolish it. So clearly, we We do Torah we we teach Torah we, we we the validity the beauty, the continuation of Torah for all believers that's a that's an easy non-negotiable and that it, it, it must go forth not only from Zion but from Macon from Shalom Macon right and we can 't back up there introduce it, affirm it, teach it in a way that is digestible and engaging for those who have been far away from it. Does that make sense that's something that defines our community now that's the broad picture but there are some other little intricacies that you have to think about for instance oneg provides a good example of this oneg is kind of difficult especially when you have visitors but there have to be certain standards that take place in a synagogue of jewish expression and so we ask everyone if you bring something and you buy it at the store look for a little hechsher on it. If you make something try to try to make certainly make sure it doesn't have meat. Kosher meat is impossible to find and make in Georgia. Even cheeses are hard to find in our metropolitan area of middle Georgia. It's kind of difficult, but yet things like that. What it does is it creates an environment where everyone can participate. From the non-observant person, which is fine, to the ultra-observant person, we have a Torah standard that lives within the synagogue. The prayer service at 9 o'clock, should we get rid of that because that might be confusing to some visitors? Of course not. There are Jewish. Expression? Are you? Are any of you obligated to be here at nine o'clock? Never. Could you be here at nine o'clock if you wanted to? Of course. Are we going to come in when they come in and say, "Well, here, you come in at eleven and listen to a few Matt Redman songs next week"? I want to see you at nine o'clock. I want to see you bending and bowing for the Baruch and the Amidah. No, we're not going to do that either. But we're not going to change that component for us of. Yeshua as the Jewish Jesus, Torah and its relevance for all believers, Jew and Gentile, and our Jewish expression. This is non-negotiable. Second, replacement theology. You can't be serious, Damien. We know this. None of us Our replacement theology, that's not even like, why are we doing this? Replacement theology, also known as supersessionism, essentially teaches that the church has replaced Israel in God's plan. Adherents of replacement theology believe the Jews are no longer God's chosen people and God does not have specific future plans for the nation of Israel. Among the different views of the relationship between church and Israel are the church has replaced Israel, the church is an expansion of Israel, or the church is completely different and distinct from Israel. That's everything we stand against that's everything we stand against why would i even need to say this well first of all it can be very very deceptive because as i mentioned last week in the christianity today article that seems so beautiful how the old testament law is relevant for all of god's people and i told you it didn't say anything about israel the jewish people none of that well a colleague sent me some of the author's other writings. The author of that article. And it says, if the Holy Spirit is poured out on Gentiles, then they are the people of God, period. There is no need to talk separately about the Jews for there is no longer any distinction. Is that, is that malicious or anti-Semitic? No, not at all. It's embedded replacement theology That's what that is. And you could ask hundreds of people, do you know what replacement theology is? Yes, I do. Are you a supersessionist? Absolutely not. And then you have a conversation and it's like, but we're the new Israel. It's very prevalent, but it doesn't just happen that way because here's another way. There is a movement called Hebrew Roots. You familiar with Hebrew Roots Movement? Okay. Hebrew Roots has its own mask for replacement theology. And what it basically looks like is, you know what? The Jews had their chance. They screwed it up. They rejected Jesus. They're out. We Gentiles are now Jews of a sort. And we're going to show you how to do it. And Jews... Ah, out. Torah, pretty good. Rabbis, traditions, pit of hell. We don't do that. Talmud, no way. Regardless of the fact that Jewish tradition teaches us about lighting Shabbat candles, how to have a Seder, how to slaughter kosher meat, how to hang a mezuzah, what a mezuzah is, how to wear tzitzit. What a ta- I mean, these are Jewish traditions by the rabbis. <laughs> well, why are you wearing a tali, Mr. Hebrew Roots? It's nothing but replacement theology for Hebrew Roots people to come and say, we are better than the Jews. We figured it out. That is replacement theology. And they don't say Jewish roots. What is it? Hebrew roots. And we never refer to the Jewish people as Jews. They are Hebrews or Israelites because we don't want to give any legitimacy to this this later development of Jews There are countless other examples I could give you, but the point is replacement theology wears many, many masks. And the fact that we are not that is very obvious. But part of our job is to educate others about what it looks like and why we are not that and why they should not be that. I also could have called this message beyond the nuns and the nons. I should have said, who we are not, and who we are because we are the first thing we are absolutely no way that thing and no one who comes here is allowed to be that thing for very long but they may come in that way you understand and we have to be prepared this is a non-negotiable the last two i can cover quickly and they're closely connected there is a rising tide Anyone know what I'm going to say is rising? Anti-Judaism, anti-Semitism. Now, those, the, these feelings of, of anti-Judaism, anti-Semitism, these come from replacement theology, if you, if you make this connection often. It it looks like this, A, a replacement theology reading of the New Testament would leave one with the belief that since the Jews killed Christ, God has rejected them and their ways. And this religion, custom teaching, anything connected with Judaism should be exercised from the believer's mind. Oh, you foolish people who has Judaized. Why would you want to return to doing things that a people whom God has rejected are doing? Why would you do that? Gosh, I've heard that. I've heard it, you foolish people. Furthermore, and this is a common Hebrew roots belief, when the Jewish people rejected Messiah, they forfeited their right to any legitimate interpretation of the Bible. Have you ever heard that? I'm not going to listen to that. That person doesn't believe in Yeshua. They can't possibly have anything good to say to me. Because the Holy Spirit enlightens me with total and perfect interpretation of the Bible, right? You met these people? But... To say that that the the Jewish people, the sages of Israel for 3,500 plus years have, have lost their right to contribute to a believer's interpretation of the Bible, that is so, you are missing so much, missing so much. Friends, many of our lives have been changed by our relationship with some of these writings and teachings and growing in depth with how God's word can be interpreted and understood and applied to our lives. That is from a Jewish perspective. That means biblical interpretation by Jews. Yes, even the rabbis who are not Yeshua followers, we respect in our congregation. We still respect Jewish authority because it has validity for us and for, I would say, All believers, do we agree with 100% of everything ever said by a traditional Jewish author? No, of course not. You don't agree with 100% of what I say, and yet you still come and listen. Sometimes you just don't get it right. Kidding. Kidding. And the thing is, that whole, that whole basket of goods right there that I just shared with you, it is so easy to just dump that out and out comes a new creature, anti-Semitism. Because the next logical decline is God doesn't love them. As a matter of fact, he dislikes him for killing his son. Well, you know what? So should I. These Christ killers, money lovers, thieves, you know the trope. And that tide, woo, rising. You know where it's rising fastest? College campuses. K-12 through 12 and college campuses are seeing the highest rise in the tide of anti-Semitism. These are satanic systems of thought that have existed since the beginning of time. We're reading, we're reading Shemot. We just started the book of Exodus this week. What does Pharaoh decide he wants to do? Kill all the Jewish baby boys. This has been around for a long, long time. And battling anti-Semitism requires us all. Education about what the Bible says about Jews. Who killed Jesus? What God and Yeshua think about the Jewish people? His plans, according to Paul, for the future of the Jewish people and my brothers and sisters here who are of a non-Jewish background. It is so much on you. And you are in the crosshairs right along with us. I know it's kind of scary, but the first thing I'd like to say is thank you for standing with the Jewish people and standing here. And I think, I'm pretty sure, when I look at these faces, being willing to stand in the future. But we have to do that together. It could get tough, but God is with us. This community... Must, must understand and educate and inform people with an anti Jewish, especially, God forbid, anti Semitic root that runs within them. This is our task. It is non negotiable. We must stand. And along with that of course comes just a very just a a quick toss away as Israel. Israel, the apple of God's eye, the place we're all going. I'm so thankful for the kufis of the world, and you know, I don't. Just let's. We're not even going to get into things about Hagee's theology or anything. John Hagee has blessed Israel and the Jewish people in such a deep, meaningful way, and it's happening. But the other thing is happening too, and it's terrifying. Churches, Christians turning against. The land of Israel. Well, it's, a liber- it's, it's full of liberals and, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to send my money over there. Well, you know something? Jews need a homeland to return to. That's part of Messiah being ushered back into the world. And yeah, I get it. It's not perfect. But you understand, we're all a part of that piece of the puzzle. Zechariah says, we're all going up to Jerusalem for Sukkot. That's you and me, Scott. That's you and me, Jew and Gentile. That's where Yeshua is coming back to Israel. Literal, real, solid Mount of Olives. We'll be there in December, Irvin. Mount of Olives. He's coming back to the real Israel. A place where we will go together, the home of God's future house, his house, which will be a house of prayer for all nations. It is non-negotiable. We do not compromise on Israel. And you know what, as a congregation, we've kind of, we've, we've had some time in the 10-year past where we would do an Israel event, or we'd have an Israel speaker, or we'd do something, but we just kind of got away from all that somehow. We got to bring that back, and it's part of our education of the world around us and the community for Shalom Macon to understand the deep, rich significance and importance of the land of Israel. I'm almost done. Israel, non-negotiable for shalom making, and for messianic Judaism for all nations. Someone might be thinking, Wow, this is pretty basic. You know what I say to that? Thank God. Let's not complicate it. Thank God. In summary, we could have have titled this A Look at Messianic Judaism for All Nations. We're building, and I want you to think this way, I want you to think this way about what we're doing together. We're building something bigger than Macon, Middle Georgia, Georgia. We want to build something here that is a model for other communities to stand on these non-negotiables and literally change the complexion of our country and our world oh my gosh that's so i know it's big why not why not what do we have to lose to think big and believe in big things that god can do why not but we need these things so here it is Let's not complicate this. Who we are, who we are not. We are a Messianic Jewish community for all nations. Yeshua, Torah, Jewish expression. We must incorporate and grab onto the battle, the, the education about replacement theology and the battle that is the rising tide of anti-Semitism, anti-Judaism. And we must uphold Israel and the Jewish people and we will work from a Jewish interpretation of Scripture and in doing that we will invite people into a deeper relationship with God Rabbi, it's basic I know these things I know you do call yourself reminded call yourself encouraged that now you know exactly what it looks like as a foundation to build on I know all these things Damien, guess what? You're reminded, but but I, I also want to remind you of something, and I want to say this in a really nice way. It's not all about you. The people who are going to coming, who are going to be coming here, don't know these things. The nuns and the and the and the people with this embedded replacement theology, they don't know these things. It's up to you and me. We have to undertake that mission. So. You're reminded, you're tasked, you're charged where disciples grow. Those, some of those people, they're, they're desperate, desperate for growth. I see them, believe me where they learn about things about the Bible that they never knew, and that includes some re-education that we'll provide, where they connect to Israel and the Jewish people and God and Messiah Yeshua who came to fix all this and, and where they grow. And here's the thing, growth is a very slow process sometimes. It's very frustrating. It takes some, some key elements, light and water and vitamins. These are, these are non-negotiables for a plant right? And you you nourish the soil with these things. They need them. These things I shared with you today foster this rich and nutritious soil for us to grow disciples. And these things like water and light and vitamins are non-negotiable for our way forward, which begs this question. Well, those are the nons, those are the non-negotiables in a 21st century Messianic Judaism for all nations congregation. What is negotiable? What are we willing to give up? What is negotiable? Do you want to know that? Next week I'll tell you. Shabbat Shalom. We're building the kingdom and thankful that you're a part of that mission. If this teaching inspired you, please consider a financial gift to support the work of Shalom Macon. Visit MaconMessianic.com and click Give Online. May the Lord bless and keep you.